Amen. All right. Well, you know, I want to talk to you today. In fact, turn in your Bibles, those of you joining us online, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 6, verse 38. In fact, as you turn there, why don't you stand to your feet? I want you to read this passage with me. Those of you joining us online, I want to encourage you to stand right there in your home as we honor the reading of God's Word. Started a new series called Multiply. Everybody say multiply. Now let's read this passage. Will you read it loudly all together? Here we go. Ready? Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. We're going to talk about a topic today that I get really excited about and I also get a little nervous about. And I'll explain why. But I want to encourage you right now just to open your heart. Because I want to tell you something. God wants to multiply blessings. Anybody want to be blessed? God wants to multiply his blessings in your life. And I want to show you a principle that will release that. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Have your way in this, this place, Lord, in homes around the world. God, I know that for some, this topic may be something that they're a little sensitive about, but Lord, I pray that you'd help us to remove any kind of mindset or wall that we've built, because Lord, if your word teaches us something that helps us, then Lord, we need you to, by that word, set us free so we can walk in the fullness of your blessing. Lord, I pray that people would see my heart and our church's heart as we share and challenge them. And Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us today. Just say this with me. Say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You see, today I want to talk to you about the concept of generosity. I want to give you a quote. And this quote is kind of our theme quote for the next few weeks. And it's simply this. We just learned that if you give, that God wants to multiply back to you. So here's the phrase. You ready? The phrase is simply this. What you keep is all you have. What you give, God multiplies. Can I say it again? What you keep is all you have. What you give, God multiplies. You see, we're going to talk about generosity. And one of the reasons I get excited about generosity is because in my own life, I have seen God's incredible multiplied blessing. I've seen it in my personal finances. I've seen it in my family. I've seen it with my parents and, you know, kind of going down the legacy of my kids. I've seen his blessing. And not only that, as a church, we have seen the blessing of God. In fact, I love this phrase. I heard a pastor say it. And this is the challenge because I believe in 2015, God is challenging our church to stand up and lead. And that he's changing our mindset to not live and think like the world, but think from an eternal perspective. Not live down, look down, but live up, look up. Adjust our behavior, our lifestyles to be people who think eternally not just for this world in this time in this life. I'm going to tell you, this area that we're going to talk about, generosity, is an important one to release God's blessing. I, I heard a pastor say this, and I, I, I want to make it my mantra. I want to make it my life principle, and that is this, that we will lead the way with irrational generosity because we truly believe that it is more blessed to give that it is to receive. And so today I want to challenge you. I want to, in fact, I want to share something with you. We've shared it before. 
you know, I get excited about generosity because I've seen the, the blessing, but I get a little nervous too because I know that there have been leaders, and, and again, I, you know as a pastor that I'm a, a unifier, that I don't ever want to speak negatively or derogatory towards other ministries. I'm thankful for anyone who calls on the name of Jesus. But unfortunately, we have seen over the years some ministries preach, I believe, an over-extreme message concerning the concept of giving. And there's two dangers of an extreme approach to this topic. Two different topics. One is what we call the prosperity gospel, and one is what we call the poverty gospel. The, pro- the prosperity gospel, uh, if we're not careful, we get extreme and we begin to look at God as the cosmic slot machine. And the idea is that it doesn't matter if you're, you know, a good steward and manage your money well, that literally, if you just give, God will make you rich. And I want to tell you something, God wants to bless you, but not everybody's going to have $10 million and $150 million. And sometimes, if we're not careful, that mentality begins to make us more driven to be focused on possessions. How many know that it's not really about possessions? God said to lay up treasure in heaven. Amen? You all with me? So sometimes we begin to focus so much and we be, really our motivation is we're giving to get something in return rather than being people of generosity. The other extreme is we see a, pro, a, a poverty gospel and that is the mentality that, well, you know, God doesn't want us to have a lot of stuff because money is evil. Let me say, money isn't evil. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. And so we begin to hear this message, well, God wants us all to give everything away and be poor because somehow being poor is equivalent to being righteous. But as you look at the scripture, right in the middle is this amazing balanced approach that teaches us how to be good stewards as well as how to be generous. And in that process, here's what the Bible says, God wants to multiply his blessings in your life. Anybody want God to multiply his blessings in your life? So I'm going to ask you that even though there are people who have maybe been manipulative, I'm going to ask you to just trust your pastor if this is your church to know that our heart is never to manipulate, but it's to challenge and inspire you to consider. And I want to say something that you won't hear most pastors say. Simply this, you know, you don't have to give. You don't have to give a dime to come to Higher Vision Church. And you don't have to give your tithe to get to heaven. In fact, you can live your whole life, never give a tithe, never give to the Lord. And if you've called upon Jesus, we're saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. But I will tell you this, you'll never live the best and the most blessed life that God has for you until you learn to trust in the Lord with your finances and make him first. Y'all with me? So here's what we're going to do today. Today, I want to do something that we don't do often. In fact, I'm going to do something. I want to show a sermon to you. Now, I am going to be teaching next week, and I actually showed this video a, a little over a year ago, and it so impacted me that I felt like I couldn't teach it with the kind of anointing and focus that he does. And we're not going to do videos every week like we did last year, but we're going to do this video because I believe it will inspire you. And if you're a new Christian and you've never heard this principle, this will encourage you. If you're a Christian who's maybe struggled with tithing and trusting God, this will encourage you. And if you're someone who's learned that principle, it's going to empower and encourage you as well. So I want you, please don't check out. Please don't start texting somebody. Will you focus in and hear what God wants to say 
so that you can experience the blessings, the multiplied blessings of God. The second thing is there's a book out in the lobby, and I don't know how many we have left. It's called The Blessed Life. I think they're going to bring it up on the screen. We've purchased several of these. We've spent thousands of dollars to make an investment in you. And we're going to make them available for free. And on your way out, if you haven't got this book, I want you to stop at the table. I want you to get it. If we run out, I'm sorry. We've given, you know, it's kind of first come, first serve. You came to the last service. So (laughs) um, I don't know how many we have left. But I want you to know we want to invest in you. And I want to encourage you to read this because it will challenge you and inspire you. This pastor, God is using him around the world to teach this principle. And so open your heart right now is Robert Morris. Now, he's speaking to a different church Um, on video, and they've allowed other churches to download that video and use it. So you'll understand that he's talking to Life Church, Craig Rochelle. But will you open your heart right now? In fact, can we do this? I know he can't hear us, but in honor of the man of God, can we just welcome Pastor Robert Morris for a few minutes? I'll be back. Will you welcome him right now as he shares a few thoughts with us? I'm excited to be here in this series called Multiply. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 13. Or turn on your iPhones to Exodus 13. I didn't mean turn them on like no texting during the message, all right? But just, you know, however you get to your Bible, get to Exodus chapter 13. And I want to share a message with you called God Must Be First. God Must Be First. Look at Exodus chapter 13, verse 1. Now, this is kind of Old Testament-y. Let me just say that, okay? But don't, don't. Tune me out, all right? We'll, we'll bring it up to New Testament, all right? Exodus 13, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. And then look, at verse, look down at verse 12 and 13. Verses 12 and 13. Then you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb. That is, every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the males shall be the Lord's. Notice, shall be or belong to the Lord. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. In other words, if you don't do this, you're going to lose it anyway. And we're going to talk in just a moment about finances. Notice this principle. If you will not give this to the Lord, you're going to lose it anyway. All right? And all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. Now, let me say again, I know that's kind of Old Testament-y. I understand that. But we're going to talk about the principle of the first and about giving the first to God and understanding about the first, all right? So here's point number one. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. If you're not taking notes, I want you to write this down, all right? (laughs) Here's, Here's number one. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Now, let me give you uh, the difference between these two and talk about it for a moment. Again, I know this is going back in Old Testament, but I, I want you to remember that 1 Corinthians 10 says that everything, everything in the Old Testament is an example to us. It was written for our instruction. So what is the instruction or the example that we see in this, all right? The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Here's how you knew which to do, which to do, all right? If, if you had an animal and your animal was considered a, a clean animal, then you sacrificed the firstborn. 
If your animal was considered an unclean animal, then you had to sacrifice a clean animal to redeem the unclean animal. Now, I don't know if you ever thought about this, but, you know, was this just kind of a, a weird part of God that, you know, he wanted animals to be killed and, and he, just, he just has this kind of dark side that we see every now and then, you know, in the law. No, th- this is a principle. Again, everything in the Bible points to Jesus. It's all an example for us. So I want to relate this to Jesus. I want you to think about this. If it's unclean, it has to be redeemed with the sacrifice of the clean. Now let me say that again. If it's unclean, it has to be redeemed with the sacrifice of the clean. And if it's clean, it has to be sacrificed. So, let me just ask you a question, and you can answer me. All the campuses, network churches, you can answer out loud. It's okay to talk in church when I ask a question. Okay, so, um, were you born clean or unclean? Unclean, right? Because David says we were all born in sin. Uh, Let me... Let me prove it to you, by the way, okay? Um, did you have to teach your children to be bad? <laughs> or did it come naturally for them? Right? Okay, so we have to teach them to be good. It's because we're all born with a sin nature. So we were all born unclean. We were born sinners, okay? Was Jesus born clean or unclean? Clean. Okay, remember the principle. Listen, because you're about to go, it's just going to shock you. Listen, the clean had to be sacrificed so the unclean could be redeemed. That's what we just read in Exodus 13. That's what that was all about. Here's what he said. If you have an unclean animal, the the offspring then has to be sacrificed. Uh, redeemed by the sacrifice of a clean. So we're going to talk today about giving the first to God, and we're going to relate it to finances in this series, Multiply. We're going to talk about some of this and about finances, and it's okay to talk about finances because Jesus talked about finances. And if we don't learn finances from the Bible, where are we going to learn how to handle our finances, you see? So think about this. Jesus was sacrificed so we could be redeemed. So let me say it another way, because this is referring to giving the first to God. Jesus is God's tithe. God gave Jesus in hope or in faith that we would give our lives to him, that we would give our lives to God. In other words, God didn't wait to see if we would straighten up and then give Jesus. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So God gives Jesus before anyone really believes in Jesus. He gives Jesus as that sacrifice. So first, so the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. So you think about this. If, if you have a, a sheep and your sheep has a lamb, you have to give the first one to God, and you have to give the first one to God so that the rest are redeemed. This is a principle all through Scripture. Even if you want to look at it this way, many people, many, many people don't understand why we meet on Sunday. Because really, the Sabbath is Saturday. It's the seventh day of the week. But they begin meeting on Sabbath for two reasons. One, it's because the day Jesus rose. Secondly, they gave the first day to God. So even by coming to church, and by the way, if you come to a Saturday evening service, uh, in the the Jewish calendar, that that, that actually starts on Saturday night. So, okay, so you're okay. All right, you're okay. All you Saturday people, you're okay. All right? 
But what you do is you begin your week with God. When you begin your week with God, the rest is blessed. When you begin your day with God, the rest is blessed. And when you give the first portion of your finances to God, the rest is blessed. That's this principle, all right? So the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Here's point number two. The first fruits must be offered. The first fruits must be, and I, notice I'm putting the word must in here because it's important for us to walk under the blessing of God, must be offered. Now, just stay there in Exodus 13 because we're going to come back to it, but let me read you a couple of other scriptures. Exodus 23 verse 19 says, the first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. The first, notice this, the first of your first fruits you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. And then Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now, let's take this back to uh, the firstborn just for a moment and, and we'll relate it to first fruits. God said when your animal has a, a, um, a baby animal, whatever it is, you're to sacrifice the first one. Now, think about this. That takes faith. He didn't say, wait until the animal has 10 offspring and then give me the 10th one. He said, give me the first one and the rest will be blessed. This is something about tithing that many people never understood. Yes, it is 10%. God put the 10th. But the reason, by the way, he put the 10th is so that every person can give. Whether you make a little or you make a lot, it's a percentage. So it levels the playing ground. You see what I'm saying? So yes, it is 10%, but it's the first 10%. It's very important for us to understand that. It takes faith to give the first 10% and then pay the bills, not pay the bills and see if you have enough left over for God. You need to understand something about God. God will always be first. God is first whether you put him first or not. When you think about the attributes of God, God, this is the preeminence of God. It means he's above all, before all, higher than all, first of all. God is always first. And this principle is all through Scripture. When they went in to conquer the, the promised land, when they went in to conquer that land, here's what God said, give me all of the silver and gold from Jericho. Now, have you ever thought about why did God say give me all of the silver and gold from Jericho? It's very simple when you understand the principle of the first. It's because Jericho was the first city. Here's what God was saying. Give me the first and the rest are blessed. He didn't say conquer ten cities and then give me one. He said give me the first one and the rest are blessed. And as soon as they disobeyed, by the way, the second city, then Ai, was not blessed. And they had to get that right before they could conquer the rest of the promised land. So this is all through Scripture. Um, when I was in Bible college, one of the students asked the professor a question he said, why did God accept Abel's offering, but he didn't accept Cain's offering? And I, I, I remember, and I look back now, and I think I'm so proud of the professor for his answer. Here's what the professor in a, in a Bible school said. I don't know. <laughs> well, if any of you went to school, you know that was real unusual for any professor to admit he didn't know anything. So I thought it was great. But you cannot understand that unless you understand the principle of firstborn and firstfruits. That's the only way you can understand why God accepted Abel's, but he didn't accept Cain's. Remember, the firstborn you give to God and the first fruit you give to God. Okay, let me read that to you, and you'll see why God accepted Abel's, but he didn't accept Cain's. Genesis 4, verse 3. And in the process of time, now that's very important, these words. In the process of time, it came to pass 
that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Notice it never says he brought the first offering or first fruits. He brought an offering in the process of time of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. There it is. That's why. Abel is a rancher. He gives the firstborn. Cain is a farmer. He doesn't give first fruits. He just gives an offering when he wants to on his terms. And God says, I, I can't accept that. I won't accept that. Now, I, I, we have to hit just a little bit of the attributes of God again to understand this. There are things that God can't do. You know that? He can't do. Let, let me explain. Because we say, oh, God can do anything. No, no. God can't change. He can't. You know why he can't change? Because he's perfect. And if he could change, he could get better. But he can't get better because he's best. Everyone got that? So God can't change. Um, I'll tell you one that many people never thought of. God can't think like we think. God can't think like we think. Now, I know the Bible talks about his thoughts, but I'm actually going to explain that to you in just a moment. But God can't think the way we think. You want to know why? Because we think to figure things out. God doesn't think to figure things out. Because of his omniscience, it's another one of his attributes. God knows everything. Matter of fact, he knows everything at the same time. Let me say it another way. Nothing has ever occurred to God. God has never said, you know, it just occurred to me. Never. Because he knows everything at the same time. Okay, so God can't think. Wait, and and we, we know the Scripture, but we just don't relate it to his attributes. Here's what he says. My thoughts are not your thoughts. I don't think like you think. Okay, so God can't accept an offering that's not first because of his preeminence. He cannot do it. He will not do it. This is why he didn't accept Abel, uh, Cain's and he accepted Abel's. So please understand. Now, Understand, again, we can give at any time God speaks, but if we don't give the first to God, we're not following a principle that's all through Scripture that's more than just the tithe, firstborn, first fruits. So, all right? So here's number three. The tithe must be first. The tithe must be first. Leviticus 27:30 says, and all the tithe of the land whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. It is set apart to the Lord. And when we understand firstborn and firstfruits, it is the first because he uses the exact same language with the firstborn. He says it belongs to God. It is the Lord's. Now the firstborn is the Lord's. Now he says the tithe is the Lord's. Exact same language. Actually, same book. Same language. Now, here's something that bothers me is that people say, well, tithing was under the law, and I'm not under the law as a Christian. I'm, I'm under grace, and so I don't tithe. Well, there's a couple of things that bother me about that. First of all, tithing was before the law, way before the law. Jacob tithed uh, about uh, um, uh, 400 years before the law. Uh, Abraham tithed over, four, over 400, between four and 500 years before the law. Before the law, they gave 10%. But if you go all the way back and take this principle, all, we just went back to Cain and Abel. And, and it was the principle of giving the first to God. 
And if you want to even go back farther than that, when you think about tithe, here's what God says. The tithe is mine. Don't touch it. That's mine. It belongs to me. Okay, remember, go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, God said, you can eat from any tree except that one. That one's mine. You understand what he was doing already? He was putting stewardship into his people. He was telling them, listen, the way you steward something is you understand that part, some of it's mine. Uh, the tithe was not only before the law, it was after the law. Jesus himself, Jesus himself, Matthew 23, 23 said, you ought to tithe. He said to them, you tithe of all these little spices, but you neglect the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. But then Jesus makes this statement. Now listen to this. Jesus says, this you ought to do. Now remember what they were doing? They were tithing. This you ought to do without leaving the other undone. Okay, can I say something? That verse alone is enough for me to tithe. If the one who saved me, and by the way, I got saved in Jake's Motel, room 12. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, Jake's, by the way, if you will know, has um, no stars. <laughs> <laughs> but they did provide pets. Okay, all right, so I'm sorry, I'm sorry. All right, so here's the point. If the one who saved me, and I, I, was, I needed to be saved, and so did you, by the way. If the one who saved me said you ought to, that's enough. That's enough. So Jesus said it. But, but what's amazing to me is we say, well, it, it was under the law, so now it's bad. That's just amazing to me. There were a lot of things under the law. Are, 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 are they bad now? If it was good under the law, like tithing, is it bad now? Honor your mother and father. Well, I, I'm under grace. I don't need to do that anymore. That's a principle in God's Word. Or if it was bad under the law, is it good now? Thou shalt not murder. Is it okay now because I'm under grace? Because you cut me off the other day in, in the, on the freeway, and so I'm a Christian. I'm not under the law. You see what I'm saying? It's just crazy. Here, as a matter of fact, Jesus said this. Did, do you know that the righteousness of grace exceeds the righteousness of the law? The righteousness of grace exceeds the righteousness of the law. Here's what Jesus said. You have heard it said, you shall not murder. Where had they heard that said? The law. But I say to you, now Jesus is full of grace. That's what John 1 says, full of grace. Jesus said, but I say to you, don't even be angry at your brother. That's farther than the law. The law said I couldn't kill you. Grace says, I can't even be mad at you. Jesus said, you have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. Where had they heard that said? The law. But I say to you, don't even look. Don't even look at a woman to lust. And if you have, you've already committed adultery in your heart. That's farther than the law. So when someone says to me, I don't give 10%, Pastor, because I'm not under the law, I'm under grace. I say, praise the Lord, you give more than 10%. <laughs> Because grace always goes farther than the law. Okay, so the tide needs to be first. So let me give you an example. If, um, if you came and did some work at my house, and let's say that your business is a landscaper, and we looked at all your expenses, your employees, and, and, and the plants and shrubs and all the stuff that you bought, and, and your profit was going to be $1,000. That, that was your profit, all right? Clear profit. So I paid all the expenses, and then I give you 10 $100 bills. So you have 10 this is after expenses. This is your income. You have 10 $100 bills in your hand. Let me ask you two questions, all right? First of all, it's $1,000. So how much is the tithe? I know this is math, but okay. How much is the tithe? 
$100, right? Okay, so you've got 10 of them, and you've got 10 $100 bills, so one of those is the tithe, right? Everyone agree with that? Okay, uh, which one is the tithe? Yeah, you're saying that because you're listening to this message and also, but, but how do you know which one's the first one? Well, let me tell you, it's the first one that leaves your hand. It's the first one you spend. In other words, if you go home and you say, let me put, you know, pay the mortgage, let me pay the car, let me pay you know, the groceries, oh, I don't have enough left over for God. Or even if you do, and then God hears your part and you give it to him last. That's not tithing. Even though it's 10%, it's not tithing. Because what releases the blessing, listen very carefully, what releases the blessing on our finances is not the amount, but the order. It's the first 10%. So here's what you say, God, here's the first 10% to you. You want to know why? Because every time you get paid, you take a test. Did you know that? The test is, whom are you going to honor for your income? And you honor the first person you give to. And here's what Exodus says. When you give the first one to God, the rest are blessed. Listen to me very carefully. Don't give the first portion to the mortgage company because the mortgage company does not have the power to bless your finances. Only God does. Don't give the first portion to the electric company. The electric company cannot bless your finances. Only God can. Here, the, would you rather live? Would you rather live with 100% of your income and all of it cursed, or 90% of your income, and all of it blessed. That's what the Bible says, that when we keep it, that's what happened, by the way, uh, when Achan kept some of the silver and gold from, Jer- gold from Jericho, Joshua 6 and 7. Joshua 6 says it's consecrated to the temple. Joshua 7, because he kept it in his tent or his bank account, says it was cursed. It's consecrated if I give the first 10% or blessed, and it's cursed if I keep it. Uh, okay, so, the, so if I give, I'm blessed. If I don't give, I'm cursed. I feel like saying, I'm not a smart man, but I think I like to be blessed. <laughs> this is not that hard. And here's what I would like to say to you. Tithe for one year and see what happens. I dare you. And you know why I can say that? Because it is the only, only, only issue in the Bible that God says you can test him on. He says, test me. Bring the tithe into the storehouse. By the way, that's not to a university. That's not to a hospital. That's not to a Christian school. That's not to a television ministry. That's to the local church that you attend. God never uses the word give when he talks about tithing. You want to know why? Because you can't give what doesn't belong to you. He uses the word bring. Bring the tithe into the storehouse. I'd I'd like to just, to to all of Life Church, I'd like to issue a challenge. Tithe for one year, and I will give you a money-back guarantee. How's that? If you're not fully satisfied, Pastor Craig will give you your money back (laughs) after one year. Now, listen to me. Here's the great thing. Here's the great thing. I can do that, and he would. I did this at our church. I actually told him that, and I bet you he'd say the same thing. You want to know why? Because the Word of God backs it up. Try tithing and see what happens in your family and in your marriage and in your health and in your finances. Try it. The tithe belongs to God, and we have to come to the place that we give the first to God, and we understand that. Let me um, go back to Exodus 13. Let me share with you one more thing, and then we're finished. 
Exodus 13, verse 14. It says, so it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, what is this that you shall say to him, by strength of hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, very important this word, therefore, for this reason, I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. Okay, here's what he's saying. Remember, this is the passage we started with about giving the firstborn to God. You remember that? Okay. Here's what God is saying. There's going to come a day when your son is going to ask you, what are you doing, Dad? Okay, I want you to think about a boy growing up and, Dad, Dad, the, 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 the sheep's about ready to deliver. And so the sheep delivers and take this newborn lamb, go over, cut his neck, kill him, throw him away, burn him up. So the boy, he doesn't say much because he's kind of young. He's thinking, oh, I'm not going to cross Dad. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it really helped discipline personally. But anyway, um, as, as, as he gets a little older and he starts coming into the family business, I think at some point the son says, um, Dad, I, I need to talk to you. Um, we're in the ranching business. And um, you, you've developed a, a bad habit. I don't know if you're aware of this. But every time one of our animals has a firstborn, um, you kill it. And um, it's hurting our profits, Dad. And uh, I wanted to talk to you about that. Here's what he said. He said, when he does that, you take your son and you say to him, Son, I need to tell you something that I've never told you before. Our family wasn't always in the ranching business. As a matter of fact, we used to be slaves. We didn't own any sheep. But God, with a mighty hand, delivered us out of bondage. And that's why we gladly give to God the firstborn of all of our animals. Now, hear this all the way back in Exodus. I've had something similar to this happen in my family with all of my children. All of my children. Matter of fact, my oldest son is with me today. And I want to tell you what happened with him. He was 9, 10 years old. I was in my office writing the um, uh, tithe check. By the way, I, I give the tithe first. Now, now I do it online, you know, and, and I would, if you, if you do things online, pay your bills online, I would say the first thing you check, the first box should always be your tithe to the church. And I do that. Back then, though, I wrote a check. Now, for you younger people, we used to have pieces of paper. <laughs> they were called checks. Never mind. Um, but, but we, and, and, and listen to me. Let me kind of say something. I am not legalistic about this. I'm not legalistic. It's a principle in my life, and it's a principle of life. But I'm not legalistic. It's like when I get paid, the first check I write is the tithe check. But if I get the checkbook and, and my wife has, you know, gone to the grocery store, I don't say, oh, that's great, sugar. We're cursed now. 
You gave, you gave the first check to Kroger's, and so we're cursed, you know. It's not legalistic. And by the way, God's not legalistic. Did you know that? He's not legalistic. He gave the law for two reasons, and the second reason most people know. Number one was to show the moral absolutes of God. If you want to know if God's for or against something, it's the law. The law will tell you, okay, the moral absolutes. Second reason he gave the law, most people don't know this, he gave the law to frustrate us to bring us to Christ. He really did. He gave the law, and if you don't believe he gave it to frustrate us, read Leviticus. <laughs> there's, a, there's a whole chapter on what you have to do if you get a scab. <laughs> I, I just see the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they're saying, oh, and let's say they got to do this, and they got to wait seven days. Ten days, let's say ten days. Let's say ten. <laughs> so basically, one day we'd come and say, I can't do this. And he says, that's what I've been waiting you to say. You don't have to do it. Jesus did it for you. Now come on in. Okay, all right. That was a good gospel message, wasn't it? So I'm writing the tithe check, and my son comes in the office, and he sees the amount. He's now can add and understands, you know. And, and a tithe check to a little boy looks like a gazillion dollars, right? And he said to me, whoa, Dad. He said, you're giving more than a quarter? <laughs> you know, you give them quarters to give them, you know. And he said, why do you give the church so much money? And I took my son up on my lap. And I said to him, son, I'm going to tell you something that you don't know. But daddy wasn't always a Christian. And daddy used to be a very bad person. But God with a mighty hand delivered your daddy. Therefore, I gladly give to God the first portion of all of our income. It's a joy, son, to be able to do this. I'm telling you, when you catch this about honoring God with the first portion, it will change your life and it will change your children's lives as well. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to simply ask the Holy Spirit a question, not out loud, at all the campuses, at all the network churches, just, at, just in your heart, not out loud, just in your heart, just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? Just ask Him. And for some of you, you have struggled and struggled and struggled to tithe, but you need to see it as a principle in God's Word of putting God first in your life. It's so much more important than just supporting an organization. It's declaring God's preeminence in your life. And then I want to pray for you. Lord, thank you. Thank you for every person hearing this message right now who really wants to give. God, we were born selfish. We were born again givers. And so, Lord, we want to give. We want to be generous. And we want to put you first in every area of our life, including our finances. Lord, thank you for that desire. And, Lord, I pray now that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I pray that you will impart faith to every hearer of the Word right now. That, Lord, we will always put you first in our finances. In Jesus' name, amen. What you keep 
you can have. But what you give, God will multiply. See, the first is his and the rest is blessed. And when we give, he multiplies blessing. You know, I had a testimony. I want to share it with you. And then we're going to bring this to a close. But I want you to focus for just a second. I was in the back in the guest center. When I was back there, I had a gentleman come up to me and he was smiling. This was in February. He had this huge smile on his face. And he said, Pastor, I'm so excited. He said, we just got the giving statement back online from the church where we could see. And he goes, what I'm so excited about, Pastor, is he said, this year... My family was able to give more than we have ever given to God's house. In fact, it was almost double of what we've ever given before. I mean, the joy that was on him. And he said, you know what, Pastor? He said, last year, or this last year, when you had Pastor Robert speak, and you shared the book, The Blessed Life, and you, he said, you know what? God did something, and he said, this has been the most amazing year in my business ever. We've had the largest increase. He said, we've been able to take care of our personal finances. We've had money left over in the bank. And he said, it's because I made the Lord first. And I said, bro, you got to write that testimony and send it to me. And so I want to read to you what he sent to me. He said, I've always believed in tithing, but never really embraced it or understood it. In the past, I would retroactively give 10% of what I brought in during the month. It often generated feelings of resentment because I was giving God my leftovers. And as you can expect, I would occasionally run out of money by the end of the month and skip the tithe altogether. The next month, the guilt of my legalistic mind would try to pay double as to pay retribution or appease God. Needless to say, I was a mess. But this all changed in the spring of 2014. On a family vacation, I decided to read Robert Morris's book, A Blessed Life, and I realized for the first time that I've been doing it all wrong. I didn't feel manipulated at all, but rather challenged by God. I realized that I was living by fear and worry and lacked faith. And that revelation was very disturbing to me and generated an immediate need of repentance. God challenged me to tithe on my business income, the gross and to trust him to care for my business. I knew God didn't need my money. What he wanted was my heart, and he was teaching me faith. The next six months was a long test of ups and downs. No excess, just barely enough to pay the bills. Without any blessing in sight, I stayed faithful, and as soon as I put the checks in the bank, I would immediately pay my tithe. I was determined to stay the course. I developed a joy in tithing and took on the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that even if God does not bless me in my business, I will still tithe. I was defeating my flesh. Nine months in the year after six months of faithfully tithing, suddenly my monthly business income started increasing by more than 50%. So that 2014 was better, it was a better year than any year before. Now God's blessing and favor goes beyond the money. My faith has grown. I'm not by a long shot as anxious or stressed out as before. And also my wayward son has made a complete turnaround and today he's following Jesus. Hallelujah. The area of tithing is probably one of the most difficult areas of our faith because it requires us to give of what we 
believe rightly belongs to us. It's really our flesh, our sinful nature that is in charge of, God, of, of the money, not God's spirit. That is until you fully give it over to him. When that happens, tithing is easy, exciting, and rewarding. I want to tell you that this family is living without stress, living without fear, is seeing blessing in all kinds of areas, not just in the finances, in the business, in their family. And it's because, listen, they weren't focused on money. They were focused on honoring God. What I love about the teaching we heard today is that what God is wanting to do is just be first. And when he's first, and he knows that he's first, I'm going to tell you, it's a relational principle that works in every other area of your life. If you're struggling in your marriage, if you'll learn to make your spouse first, guess what? Everything else will take care of itself. You look at all the areas of your life. When God is first, the rest is blessed. And I'm going to tell you, did you know that in America, that the statistics say that self-professing Christians, only between 6 and 10% of Christians actually give God the full 10%. And we wonder why we're not walking in the multiplied blessing. And I want to challenge you today to honor the Lord. If God is stirring your heart, maybe in the past you've tried tithing, but you'd do it for a little while and then you'd face a test and rather than standing strong and trusting God, you'd back off. Or maybe you're here and you've never even thought about that principle, about making God first. Listen, I'm making the same declaration. If you'll commit to tithe to God, make him first for an entire year, and as well be a good steward, and we're going to talk about that because sometimes people don't realize that they're tithing, but yet, as the scripture says, they're putting money into a bag with holes in it. It's because of issues of stewardship. And so we're going to talk about stewardship and other things to help us be good managers of what God has given us. But I'm going to tell you that if you'll commit to tithe to the Lord first here in your storehouse, this is your storehouse if this is your church. Whether you attend here or you're online, if you attend faithfully online, this is your storehouse. So you bring it back to God. If you'll do that for an entire year and make a good decision with stewardship, in other words, you don't go out and buy things you can't afford and you don't, you know, live beyond your means. I promise you, not because I can promise you, but because God promises that you will be blessed. And if after a year of doing that, you don't see the faithfulness of God, you come back and we will give you your money back. Because God is true.